Chapter Four of the Old Fashioned Fairy Book by Constance Carey Harrison. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carol Box. Chapter Four: Sibylla, Mertillo, and Furioso. A certain king had a beautiful golden-haired daughter named Sibylla, whose suitors came from every country, though with small success since the princess had vowed to remain single until one proving to be the mightiest hero of the world should appear at no great distance from her father's country lived a horrible giant every hair of whose head could change at will into a fiery serpent he had one eye the size of a mill-wheel and his teeth looked like rocks in a mighty cavern his name was furioso and his strength was known to surpass that of an army of ordinary men. What was the dismay of Sibylla's father when this monster sent to request the lovely princess for his wife? The king turned pale, and walked up and down his palace floor all night, for he knew what it meant to refuse the request of Furioso, who, up to this time, had lived at peace with his neighbor's country. The queen mother, hearing of the giant's offer, took to her royal bed in kicking hysterics. As to the proud little princess, she curled her pretty red lips scornfully and tossed her head. I'd like to see him do it, the fright, was what she said. In a few days what the king feared had come to pass. The giant Furioso, on receiving the beautiful diplomatic letter the king's secretary had written to him, after consultation with all the lords and lawyers of the realm, frowned, scratched his head, which instantly bristled all over with flaming serpents, and opening his mouth sent forth a blood-curdling yell of defiance that resounded in the farthest part of the king's dominions. Without a moment's delay he changed himself into a fearful hurricane, and swept over the country and the palace of the Princess Sibylla. Fences and iron gates, stone walls and marble palaces fell to the ground like card-houses forests were uprooted suspension bridges snapped like cobwebs villages entire rose up into the clouds and disappeared with their inhabitants looking in astonishment out of the windows cows and horses dogs and elephants were seen whirling about in the air like japanese day fireworks the king and queen found the roof lifted from above their heads, and went sailing out the open space in their nightcaps. They met all the court blowing wildly about up there, and for some time it was like a mad dance without any bottom to it. Dizzy and terrified, the royal couple at last fell down to earth again, the queen lighting on the fat cook, so that she was not seriously injured, the king falling on a tennis net which the force of the wind kept suspended like a hammock without any ropes. Picking themselves up, the first thought of the royal couple was for their beloved princess. As fast as different members of the court and household fell down from the clouds, which they continued to do all the evening and night, the king sent them in search of the princess. Nobody remembered having seen Sibylla anywhere in the air, and her waiting-maid, who dropped somewhere about nine o'clock a.m., next day wept as she told how she was combing the princess golden hair with the ivory comb she still held in her hand when the breeze came which separated them one thing was certain 
the princess had disappeared when things settled down a little and people began taking their breath a peasant turned up who reported seeing the princess flying along at a fearful rate of speed in the arms of a tall white-haired man wrapped in a mantle who hid his face as he passed it were just at that moment your honours said the peasant overwhelmed by the questions that rained on him i were myself token unexpected like and turned upside down by the wind and when i come to there i were atop a haystack in farmer grimes field five miles from home as the crow flies a standin on my head the king and queen exchanged horrified glances each remembered to have heard that one of the tricks of giant furioso when he wished to be particularly wicked was to change to the semblance of a venerable white-haired man no doubt about it the whole calamity to court and nation was the work of furioso and he had got the princess the distracted king set out at the head of his army to visit furioso's castle to his surprise under the giant's name upon a visiting card inserted above the speaking trumpet at the gate were pencilled these words out of town till further notice the windows were closed and green shades hung behind them no smoke came out of the chimneys and the doors were chained evidently the giant had retired to some one of his retreats where he could not be followed the king and his army marched back again in gloomy silence for six months nothing was heard of the unfortunate sibylla till one day three young princes travelling from a distant country in search of adventure found a wounded carrier pigeon on the road under its wing was a note written in pale red ink on a bit of torn linen cambric the note gave them considerable trouble to read it but at last the youngest prince Matillo, who had always been the cleverest at school managed to decipher these words i write this with blood taken from my finger on a fragment of my only pocket handkerchief i am the wretched princess sibylla daughter of the king rolando and i pray any kind mortal who finds this to come to my aid in the dungeon of furioso under the fifth mountain of the impassable range once in twenty-four hours this mountain cleaves asunder to let my oppressor take the air watch and rescue me in the name of humanity the impassable range was far away but the princes journeyed thither without delay they found the fifth mountain easily and hid under the rocks at its base to await developments exactly at sunrise a rumbling sound was heard and the cliffs shook the mountain split apart from summit to base and between two yawning jaws of rock issued forth first a head covered with flaming serpents then a frightful purple face and lastly the gigantic form of furioso following him came the wails and shrieks of his captives within the mountain to which furioso paid no attention he only turned his back and shouted close you mountain fierce and grim open but to bambadrim the princes fancied that this was the password and when the giant had disappeared they tried to make the mountain open by repeating it 
but in his excitement each one forgot how to pronounce the magic syllables. So there they stayed till sunset, when the giant came home from his hunting expedition. He had a pouch slung over his shoulder, and in it were crowded the new men, women, and children he had caught. The poor creatures were half dead with terror and rough treatment. The princes watched the giant, and listened with all their ears for the password. Bamba-trim! thundered Furioso, and instantly the mountain yawned and let him and his miserable prisoners pass in, when it closed as before. The three princes laid each his hand on his sword, and swore to be avenged of the brutal treatment of their fellow-beings. Next morning, when the giant issued forth, hurling the password at the mountain, then disappeared from sight, the oldest prince declared that he should be the first to enter the mountain, that his brothers should wait twenty-four hours for his reappearance, and that should he fail to come back the second brother might come to his assistance. Bravely the young man sprang up the mountainside, and called aloud the password. Instantly amid thunderings and lightnings the ground split at his feet and swallowed him from sight. They could see the tip of his bright sword held aloft, as he sank into the gloomy abyss. Twenty-four hours passed, and the oldest prince failed to return. Then the second brother set forth, and he, too, vanished from sight. A long day and night of waiting had the youngest prince. Then he ascended the mountain where there was every reason to fear his brothers had found a horrible fate. Uttering the password, Matillo saw, through the opening earth at his feet, a pit whence came fire and smoke, and he plainly heard the cries for help of many human voices. Matillo fell a great distance, landing on his feet in a desolate cavern. The smoke cleared away and he beheld a huge iron door before which were four trumpets, one of copper, one of silver, one of gold, and one of brass. Over them these words, He who would enter here, choose between us four. At the foot of the golden trumpet lay the mangled remains of his oldest brother, who had perished in trying to blow it. At the foot of the silver trumpet the corpse of the second prince had fallen, and now Mertillo must choose between the two remaining trumpets. Without a moment's hesitation he put his lips to the copper trumpet, and gave a loud, clear blast. At once the iron door flew open, and he was in a hall surrounded by dungeons, through whose gratings he could see prisoners in every stage of misery. They called to him frantically and hailed him as their deliverer. Alas! What could the poor prince do to save them? He looked about and saw a long tunnel, ending in a massive gate of stone and iron. As he gazed into the darkness of the tunnel, something coiled up at the end of it seemed to stir, and a hideous snake darted towards him, opening a pair of jaws as wide as an ordinary fireplace, and sending out a flaming tongue. Mertillo charged upon the beast, and after a desperate fight drove his sword down its throat, the point coming out at the back of the neck. As he stooped to free his sword, the serpent gave a convulsive struggle and died. Mertillo found a chain around its neck on which was fastened a golden key, 
he took the key and put it in the great keyhole of the iron door before him, and to his joy the door opened. There, in a dismal dungeon within, lay a beautiful maiden in chains. Matillo set her free, and found that she was the Princess Sibylla, whom the giant treated with especial cruelty because she persisted in refusing his love. She told him that the little pigeon was one of many kept for the serpent's food, and that she had hidden it, and helped it to fly out one day when the giant left her cell. And now, said the princess, when Matillo had in turn told her his story, let us be quick and lose no time. In the court beyond my cell are two fountains. One of them contains the water of strength, the other the water of weakness. From the former fountain Furiosa gains all his power. A little of its water sprinkled upon the dead recalls them to life, and we may save your poor brothers yet. Matillo and the lady hastened to the fountains, but to their dismay a roaring noise and the groans of the wretched prisoners, who were chastised daily upon his return, announced the arrival of the giant. Quick, said the lady, pointing to the water of strength, drink once of this, and you will be strong enough to change the fountains, putting each in the place of the other. Matillo obeyed, and at once felt able to move a mountain at command. He seized the solid basins and changed them, and hardly had he done so when the giant came rushing in. Where is that insolent whipper-snapper of a prince who has dared to kill my faithful serpent? roared he. Here is he at your service, said Matillo, stepping forth with a gallant bow, and holding his glittering sword in hand. Just wait till I quench my thirst said the giant disdainfully, as he swooped down to what he supposed to be his fountain of strength, and drank a long, deep draught. Suddenly a strange trembling came over the monster's huge bulk. His face turned pale, his eyes stared, his jaw dropped, he sank to the ground. Why, this is the water of weakness, my prisoners drink he cried what trick have you been playing me you scoundrel Matillo again drank of the water of strength and now he felt as if he could defy an army single-handed swift as a lightning flash he descended upon the giant and severed his wicked head from his body the Princess Sibylla uttered a wild shriek of delight, which was heard and understood by all her fellow captives, and the dungeons echoed with sobs and cries of joy. Matillo and the Princess filled goblets with the water of strength, and hastened to sprinkle all the prisoners, who, paralyzed by their chains and wasted with hunger, could in many cases barely stir upon the ground where they lay. Soon a host of strong men and women filled the main hall of the dungeon, and then Matillo had the joy of seeing his two brothers return to life under the action of the magic water, in which he bathed their limbs. As Matillo had only drank of the water of strength, he remained the strongest champion in the world, and when Sibylla was taken back to her father and mother, she told them that she had promised to take the Prince Matillo for her husband. From the giant's stronghold Matillo brought away gems, and gold enough to enrich him for a lifetime, 
even after all the giant's victims had been sent home with a bag of gold apiece. His brothers found brides in two lovely fellow-sufferers they had led out of the giant's cavern to the light of day, and so all were satisfied, and in a short time the giant Furioso was forgotten. No more hurricanes visited the kingdom of Sibylla's father, where things continued to jog along in the old-time peaceful fashion. End of chapter 4 Recording by Carol Box